Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about Sixth Edition D D. It hasn't actually come out yet, but Right. But there's a lot of rumors going around and they've even uh, Watsi themselves have come out and uh, talked about it. Oh, at least people involved with Watsi. Yeah, they officially talked about it. Okay, officially talked about it. Okay. So there's always for a long while, I would say for the past years, there's, there's been speculation since D&D at the time was turning seven years old. And a lot of editions. I thought it was the 50th anniversary. The 50th anniversary of D&D, but wow. the edition is going to be seven years old in oh, last wow. year. I thought you said 70, sorry. No, seventh anniversary. A lot of people have looked at the past of how editions have been rolled out. What's the difference in time between one edition to the other? And there really hasn't been any like set day, like every five years. But people like looking at the past to try to make those kind of speculations. Uh, what is it? The seven years now going on six. In fact, April in April. Which of, it is April. Yeah, but in April of 2014 is when the first printing of D&D 5th edition was rolled out. Okay. So... At this point, it's eight years old. So uh, I think Watsi said in 2024 is when the next edition is going to be published. For their 50th year. The 50th year of Dungeons & Dragons. Wow. So so that would make it... You're right, because 1974. So that would make it 10 years old. The edition would be 10 years old. The most interesting thing when I was looking at stuff about this was that one of the Wizards of the Coast people said that some people have never seen, um, have never played anything but 5th edition. Right. And it's the most people that played Dungeons & Dragons have, haven't have had a new edition. So they want to make sure that the new edition isn't going to be too different because that might put them off, I guess. Well, Although, that's, a, that's an interesting statistic. I guess they put out a lot of surveys. And, it's, and I forget what the number is, but it's kind of sounds like 65% or something like that of people who are playing D&D, at least of the people who filled out the survey. Remember, I, you know, we remind you. That's just a, a test subject. <laughs> I mean, subjects, it's, it's a sampling. You're right, that they've only played 5th edition. And so what the, what, and, and rightfully so, Watsi says a lot of people have never gone through an edition change. Everybody has had depending on when you started playing, has had that edition change. Whether they, Everybody's not as old as you. Right, that's true. But there has been a lot of people who, well, not a lot of people, everybody has a different way of looking at an edition change, I'm guessing, right? Because when we went from original D&D, the little, the little white box with the book booklets, it was like AD&D was When he like, says we, he's not talking about me because I've only seen that. I thought about me, my brother Esteban, and Seth. I'm just telling. I'm just. We progressed to AD and D pretty easily because it was like the rules seemed cooler to us, right? Because it was new. Well, there's that too. That there's that new. That I'm, I'm not so sure why. I'm not totally sure what the concern is about the players facing a new edition because all the gamers I know, and there's a wide range of them, they love new editions. Only if only to buy the book and see what's different. Well, you're right. But I think Watsi being a little bit concerned about the fifth edition people who have only played fifth edition, it's a totally different group of people. Uh, they don't usually, 
Uh, they're younger. They're they. This is the first time they've been introduced to role playing, maybe, and things like right. that. Is what you're thinking? And and I don't know. I, it's a different type of gamer, I think. You know what I mean? I think. I don't know I, what that means. I mean, okay, so. I hate to use these terms, but I think me, my brother, and and those gamers that we know, I would consider them hardcore gamers, right? They play uh, board games. They play various role-playing games. They play every Friday night from now to eternity. And they have multiple games. But it seems to me like these new people only play D&D. A lot of times these new players have only played D&D. And I think Watsi and... is might be concerned about changing things up too much and disrupting their world, right? Like, Well, I am going to totally disagree with you <laughs> on this because I think that if they've been playing since anywhere between 2014 and now, after a couple of years, one of those people in that group will have figured out that there's other role-playing oh, yeah. games and discovered that, hey, do you want to try this one? And things like that. That's true. Or if they're playing... What do they call it? Where you go and you play with a bunch of people. Organized play. Right. Then somebody there is going to tell them that there are other role-playing games. Yeah, I guess if they go to a hobby game store, they'll see other games there. Or even if they go to, what is it, uh, Barnes & Noble, there's other games there. Not a great selection, not a huge selection, but there's other games. There's Call of Cthulhu usually, Shadowrun, some of the biggies. For addition changes for me, it was... I, like I said, we liked AD&D. We played, I don't, I don't know if there was a, I guess, I don't think there were any supplements like there is nowadays. But there's, there, I mean, there was a lot of, a, what do you call it, uh, modules. They made modules, but actual rule additions. I think, I think at one point they came out with Wilderness Survival or the Dungeoneer's Survival Guide. With these are these hardback books. But that's like the only two that I remember of actual hardback books that they put out. They put out a lot of modules and stuff like that. And I don't remember very much else. And I didn't get into second edition because at the time we just kept playing AD&D. And it wasn't until third edition came out that I actually looked at it again and said, hey, I want to play this game. And we start playing third edition. So I, I understand, I can understand why Watsi, uh, people at Watsi are a little bit concerned about these 65% of the people who are playing D&D who have never gone through an addition change might be w- well, not wanting to change, upset the cart too much. Well, not only is it the addition change, but there's a lot of books out there, fifth edition books. Yes. And as a person who looks at my bookshelves that my husband has filled with gaming books, and I'm looking at like... I don't know, about 11 D&D books over there on that shelf? Fifth edition? Probably. Yeah, there's about at least 10, 10, uh, 11. And they just came out with the two new ones this year. I right. think I bought one for Augustine, The or that was at Christmas, Tasha's... Tasha's uh, Cauldron? I think that is the one I got him for Christmas. Really? I don't know when you bought that one. But you do. we do have it. Yeah. I think that was the last book we bought. Uh, there's quite a bit, bit of... There's quite a few other books that have come out since. And that's 10. We have at least 10 sitting there that yeah. I can see. 10 times $50 because most of them are fifty to $49.99. You're Maybe. right. Some of them might have been $39.99. Let's just say 50. But yeah. yeah. Some of them might be a little more depending yeah. on what it is. Right. But the new edition, it says that they're really only going to come out with the player's handbook, the dungeon master's guide, or or and then right, the three core books. And the, the monster, monster manual. Yeah, monster, yeah. monster manual. 
So I'm guessing that. Well, and that's it what, says it's backwards compatible, which <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what that means. But the people that I read about said that means that you'll be able to use all the stuff from fifth edition, which whether it's backwards compatible or not, I know that I've used your 3.0 books for for things like Eberron. Was it Eberron? Uh, I think it was uh, Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms. Different ones. Right. Well, it depends on what do you mean by backwards compatible, right? There's different levels of compatibility. When you go back and play uh, or pull out, let's say you pull out an adventure from 3.0 and use it for 5th edition. <clears throat> sure, the, the, the monsters, uh, the descriptions and the actions and stuff and all the all the events can still take place because that's not this doesn't require rules but the monsters themselves i'm sure have are changed. different yeah. right so how much of it is backward really compatible and i think you could probably use i don't know i use the 3.0 rule the monsters i yeah. just use their abilities and stuff and yeah. i didn't even look them up in fifth edition right and nobody at the table complained and nobody knew Right, there was no except, except when when they get to like uh, what is it, like stats of the monsters on, on their attack, right? Because they get oh no, because they get a plus something just like you would, right? And none of them question me, which is they always question me. So, <laughs> are you sure the monster can do that? Well, I got that from people who even though, even though we're playing the, the same edition or whatever. So I think there's a lot of stuff that can come out of. Uh, the a lot of changes that can come out in sixth edition, but what's interesting is you're right is that they're continually putting out fifth edition books, and I think they're on track to put out at least three or four book three or four books this year. I forget what the names. I don't really remember the names of them. And just 2023 because D and D sixth edition isn't coming out supposedly till. 2024. 2024. And they're still making books for... And you're not even sure if they're going to call it 6th edition because a lot of the people that I, that I read were saying that maybe it's going to be called 5.5. <laughs> but then they were also saying that if so many people haven't gone through an edition change yet, they might not call it 5.5 because that might confuse people. Right. Yeah, that's true. And and that's another thing I think is that a lot of the talk and a lot of the, the little bit information that we do have from Watsi is that it's not going to be a full edition change. It's going to be like an update in the rules and not really change a lot of things. Though I think the amount of stuff that they're changing, it probably deserves its own edition. For example, they're going to, one of the things that they, that they speculate, now this is speculation, because of the changes they're making to the classes and to the monsters is alignment. They're going to get rid of alignment. And I've talked That's about that. That's just a speculation. That's a speculation. I've had that speculation since well people have been talking about that it's one of the things that it seems like it's old school versus very. the the newer newer players don't always understand what alignment is or right. when you explain it to them they they go oh it doesn't really mean a lot but it was a way to get people to play their character a certain way like if you're not playing it if you're playing a paladin and you're going around killing people without holy reason right even with a holy reason maybe you're gonna have to go do some penance right because you're not right. playing with your in your alignment yeah i think i think it's an interesting alignment i mean uh gary gygax probably came up with it from from what i i know i don't really know a lot about his personal history i believe he was I've, i don't i don't know so 
So I'm sure it was a game mechanic to help people oh, play the character, but also define who your enemies were and who wasn't your enemy. And declaring all orcs chaotic evil, that just made it easy to go out and kill them because they were evil. Since that time, since 40 years later, almost 50 years later, things have changed a little bit, even you know, in the, the mindset of a lot of people in the United States or in the culture of the world that, well, how can a race be evil, right? And then, well, Tolkien had that thing, right, that orcs were created, so therefore they could all be evil. But uh, in the game world, they're, they're alive. They have they, villages. They reproduce yeah. and stuff like that. So having the idea that they're all going to be evil, it just seems kind of not doesn't make sense to a lot of people and that's true why would what you are make you a certain type of alignment so i've had a problem with alignment for a long time when you really think about it it's like what does it mean to be uh chaotic neutral and what does it mean to be lawful neutral and and how many people in real life have those kinds of commitments to their moral purpose right you know everybody kind of just is on this what they call it spectrum maybe or they kind of waver one way or another but I, I always tell you <laughs> i always say you just play chaotic good because most people are inherently good i mean there are outliers but right and but most people are also chaotic because you know you can go I'm doing everything right, but it's okay to go 10 miles above the speed limit. Yeah, right? right. There's those little things that you're like going, well, that doesn't make any sense. There's nobody here. I can go 10 miles above the speed limit. Right. But that's not the law. So you can't play lawful, right? Because right. you're a little bit chaotic. Well, I agree. I agree for for the most part. And so so alignment's probably gone. And, and that changes races, right? Because now... Well, right. it's not gone, gone. They when I, when I was reading about it, they were saying that it would be... Instead of the alignment like chaotic good, it would be a typical balance of how a person would behave. So going back, it's more like a lawyer, right? Is <laughs> Can you say that this person was, that a reasonable person would have done this, right? Oh. That kind of idea. So a good note. And, 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 confused me with the lawyer talk. <laughs> And what they were saying is maybe they'll go gnomes or gnomes. Sorry. I, I always say gnome because I think it sounds better. Gnomes how, act a certain way. Typically. Right. right. And then that, but then there, uh, this person that I was listening to said that, but that doesn't mean that your gnomes can't act a different way. Right. So I think that one of the things that, that, the other thing I was reading about this was that um, the changes make it easier for a new dungeon master or, or game master to to change the way the characters are the the races are written the, right so that so typically gnomes do this right but you're allowed to have your gnomes do whatever however you feel however you want to play it, yeah yeah which. I didn't realize that everyone doesn't know rule zero, that the that you are allowed to change the world because you are the GM. Or even the rules themselves. And if you don't like a rule, don't use it. If right. you if your table doesn't doesn't want to have to 
roll the second critical. I don't know if that's in D&D. Confirm a D&D. Com- is that D&D 5th edition? I don't know if, they, or, I don't know if it's officially the rules. They, they, <laughs> the boys have been going back to Pathfinder and want it. They ha- it has a lot more rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, But if your table doesn't want to do that, it's okay. You don't have to because you are the GM. This is your game. This is your group playing this game. And the goal is for you to have fun, not yeah. to... And and if you want to be, if you're a rules as written person and that makes it fun for you, that's one thing. But if your group doesn't like a rule, it's okay to change it. So they were saying that in fifth edition, they want to read, they want to define that a little more for people so that newer people that are playing. And if you say 65% of people that took these surveys playing fifth edition, it's the only thing they've ever played. Right. They might need to, to define it for them <clears throat> that it is okay. Because it's always been okay, maybe to to adjust the rules to make it your game. Right, right. I totally agree. I think somewhere in fifth edition, or maybe people, some people are just all, always this way about rules as written. Right. And I was in a Facebook group. Was in a Facebook group. He couldn't take it. I couldn't take the questions. I'm like, come on, just just come up with your own idea. And some of them were like really just like small things you know i don't remember any question that for, for for certain but i just remember reading this stuff i go why would you even ask that question it's like but but then if you if you think about it if some of these people the only thing they've played is D and uh fifth edition and they're looking at this rule book as the rule book well and that guy was saying that you know they're looking at these these words are the game and i'm like going Whoa, because you know, I've been playing with with guys since I was a teenager, and none of nobody has ever said that to me, right? They've all thought that this is my game, this is the way we're going to do it. And even if the rule says this, I'm interpreting it this way, right? They home, home house rules, yeah, right? Yeah, house. I never, I've never run into anyone going, this is the way it's written, and this is the way we have to play it. Well, the uh, the 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 I think the reason that happened as for people like me who are older, is that for example, AD and D, when it came out, had this chart, and you, you know how you love charts. It had this chart about weapons, and each weapon had a, a different plus or a minus depending on what kind of armor it was up against, because and the person that made that chart really really liked differences in each one well yeah because and it literally was pretty cool because i like like some weapons were really good against like chain mail and this mail and that mail and and i was and i i purposely went and looked at some i think it was a flail a flail was really good at like at everything and so it would give you a plus one plus one plus one plus two and it had all the armor listed on top and you would get pluses to hit so i'm like wow that's the and they were, I maybe had a minus one against one of them, like plate mail. But who cares? Who? How many people do you run into have plate mail? I thought, and I thought it was pretty neat. But we never used that freaking chart because it was too complicated to deal with it. Because well, when you're in battle, it's hard to look up what the person look at their armor and then go to your chart. Well, I, back then they would just tell you the armor class. They would right. go, oh, he's wearing uh, chain mail. He's wearing this mail. It's armor class. This. And another thing was weapon speed. Each weapon had a different weapon speed uh, as to how fast you could use it. And I, I don't even know, remember why there was a weapon speed thing. If it gave you multiple attacks, or I think it had to do with like, uh, had to do with initiative. I think that's more realistic because yes. it is. If you're gonna pull a, a two-handed sword off your right. back, right. it's gonna take you 
more than six seconds. Compared to a, dra- a dagger that's on your hilt, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, on your belt. And that's exactly what it was. The weapon speed was how fast you can wheel, come to wield it and how hard it is for you to actually try to swing and use the sword. Like a, a vapor is really quick, whereas two and a sword, you know, you're making these, these, uh, these really long and arduous uh, swings, which because it's just so heavy. Right. That's why a lot of times the <clears throat> people at the table will, especially older people who have played D&D for a while, will say, <laughs> do in my action, can I pull out my sword and use it? Yes. Because they might have come across something like that. Well, back then, you, it was an action to, you spend the action to pull your sword. Well, yeah. Well, you, you can see why, Depending you know, people it, it, might, that might slow down the game, even though it's six second intervals. Well, it wasn't always six seconds. Oh, what was it before? I think it was, uh, it was uh, 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 a minute. I think there were minutes. And then there was turns. I, I don't remember, honestly, I just remember that the, 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 the a turn, a round, went up and down and finally came up came down to six seconds in AD and D in I'm sorry, fifth edition. Because I think in original D and D and A D and D in second edition, same thing, a round was like a minute of fighting. So when you when you roll to hit, it wasn't a single hit. swing of a weapon. It was it was this dance that you're doing and after this dance is over for a minute it's how much damage you've inflicted on the other person. And that's why at the, at the time, Gary Gygax said that hit points were, it was a combination of luck, stamina, actual physical prowess, mental, uh, not mental, but uh, physical health. So it was all this stuff rolled into one. And then it later on became this idea that you're actually swinging and hitting on a single. Uh, well, then they had to lower the, the time frame. Of course. Of course, that makes sense. I don't know how. Why? How do we get the, the <laughs> off on this discussion? But what, what I'm saying is that these changes that happen probably won't happen in the, the sixth edition, whatever. They no, call because it. they because if you think about the changes they made and put into fifth edition for combat, and um, you know, you just have to roll your your d20 to see if you're going to hit or not. Right. And there's not charts. Although some people are bringing back charts because they like it, but maybe not in fifth edition. There's no pluses and minuses. There, yeah, are there pluses and minuses? Well, there is. You know, there's plus to your uh, less you get plus, plus and minus. You get plus two because you. There's no more of that. No. Oh, okay. You get advantage or disadvantage. Yeah. So that makes it. It's a little bit easier. Less mathy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The only uh, the only pluses you get is whatever you get for your skill and your whatever. It's like when you when they ask you what your what your AC is. To hit you, yeah. Then you've already it's already added up on your little on your on your um, your character sheet. It tells you if you have armor, you put the number here, right? And then and you have a full your, the, your actual number right. is here. So you just have you don't have to go. Oh well, do I get a plus two for my armor? <laughs> so I think sixth edition is going to be uh, a lot more. Uh, I think it's gonna there's going to be less stark changes like. To the rules anyway, because from the, all the discussions is they, they really like the base mechanics of 5th edition, right? They like that it's pretty easy. They like that it's not very convoluted and and that it's easy to teach and easy to learn in, this, in a certain sense compared to like 
third edition where you had remember I was we just had a discussion that they have I, the one they they what they curtailed the skills to much less than they were there's they did away with cross class skills they did away with so when you used to play third edition you had this pool of points to spend but now I think you only get like two or three points compared to like five or six or seven depending on what class you were and I think the the bard and the and the rogue would get a lot of skill points where a fighter and a, and a sorcerer would get less. And then, you know, and then they had, a, you know, they mashed up a lot of skills together. We were talking about that. Like athletics was, what did you say? Swimming and climbing and, and jumping and jumping. <laughs> I, I think yeah, as, far, yeah. as far as I remember, yeah. well, well, that's one of the things they are adjusting in in whatever they're going to call it sixth edition right is they were talking about classes and about classes and races roles and roles Ro no classes and races yeah. sorry i wrote I so yeah they're gonna monkey about with the with the classes well and i think that has to do with all those surveys they put out and always people and the boys are, are yes. notorious for telling me this. This is broken. Or I don't like the way they should have made it this way. And that and then but then they've come out with all those new ones. What is it? Mordekin's guide. Yeah, every, all, all of them have, all of them them have another new class. races, new classes. They have they give you these ideas that people have are going, I would love to do this, right? Right. And so those are the biggest things that people want. They play these classes and they go I want it to be tweaked just a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas in reality, all you have to do is say, uh, "I would like to, I would like it to be this way." To your GM, right, and see if they'll go for it. But you know, like you said, people do like the rules, yes. and they, they don't want to break them. And I think that uh, I think this I think this group of people who play now are a little bit more adherent to the rules than than we used than we used to be because there were some rules that we just didn't abide by, and it was not a big deal. Like I said, that whole weapon speed chart, that whole better to hit against different types of armor. And I don't even know because I really didn't run D&D. &D. Well, I guess I did run AD&D &D a little bit, but I didn't never really looked at all the rules. We just went with the rules that we played with, and we never really questioned anything else, and we just never really investigated Right, well, because once you play a game, you kind of know the rules, and even if they change stuff a little bit, especially if your group has played for a certain way right it doesn't really matter what game you're playing or the rules that you're playing they're gonna go with that way unless all three boys in our group have caught gotten the books and started reading every single word right. and they're gonna go oh no this is the way that it works in this one and that kind of thing right and they're so excited to tell you about it you're like okay yeah back to what you said i think you're right when people uh they have classes. They have different types of classes. Then they then they have subclasses or whatever. I don't know what to call them. But like, let's it's a fighter, but it's this type of fighter, like a guardian fighter. Oh, dude, yeah. you don't even know. I listened to this guy talk about sorcerers, and <laughs> okay. or and I like about sorcerers. spells. Right? He goes. Oh. He was talking about how the sixth edition is going to make the spells much better because not necessarily the spells, but what spells you can use and where you can use them, and and who gets to the different kinds of things. Right? And he went into this big thing that i was like my eyes glazed over yeah i think i heard the tail end of that and i had no clue as what i, you I was about. like okay okay it was good though i mean it, for for people who are magic users these are the things <laughs> that they want they want more definition to when they can use a spell and different wasn't yeah. they saying that they were gonna do away with spell list and just have and it, oh i think one of the things that kind of woke me up i was kind of falling asleep last night is that he was saying that 
It's going to be like a, an ability instead of a, an attack or, or something like that, right? And that they were going to add more, what is it, less attack spells and more environmental spells that affect the environment. And, and he called it elemental type spells. Well, you know how the difference between sorcerers and wizards, like wizards or what it, I don't know which one it is, clerics. Steve always has this list of spells and he can choose his spells for the day. As a sorcerer, I have spells, right? And I don't have to, and I never liked the idea of having to choose which ones I'm going to use for a day. As a sorcerer, you don't have to do that. You just have them and then you just, you have your slots and you just do what you want. Correct. Within your slot limit, right? Right. But, you know, the mitigating circumstances that wizards are much more powerful at higher level because they can throw more spells and they get access to higher level spells quicker where a sorcerer does it. And I always like that because I always like playing a sorcerer because I didn't want to have to memorize spells. That's what I thought. And then you're like, oh, I got to memorize this spell for today. Now, I don't know if it's... Well, because Ian always, when 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 he plays a wizard or a warlock or whatever, he wants to have the first watch so he can sit there and memorize his spells, which I always tell him, well, how can you be watch on watch if you're memorizing your it's spells? It's kind of like a, like a, he's in a, like a sort of a trance, but yeah. not really. Yeah. Whereas a sorcerer, to me, I always thought a sorcerer was better because you just have the spells and I can always throw a lightning bolt, right? Or whatever the... Whatever we what, have. Yeah, whatever Whatever my, you know. So I don't have to, I don't have to think about it. I can just do it. That's <laughs> so the way I always spell. thought about it. But a lot of people that play magic users want, they dip more into the minutiae, exactly what they can do and how well, much. Because they, they have a lot do. more spells to play with and then they have to figure out what they want to do. Which I always find interesting when you're sitting at the table, right? Which spells should I... Uh, every once in a while Steve goes, well, which ones should I memorize for today? He goes, well... Uh, and I'm like going, I don't understand why you're... What the... You should you should decide what you're going to do, but he wants to know what's going to happen. Well, that's what you did. Yeah. What are we going to do today? So are we going to go into caves? We're going to the caves and I want all these spells, but if we're not, we're going to be out in the open. Then I I want to call lightning. Usually the GM looks at you and goes, I'm not telling you what's going to happen today. (laughs) Because he has no clue or they don't have any clue. So that was a very interesting, I I, I can only say it was interesting because I didn't understand a lot of it, but I understand that he was saying that, there's going to be a lot, a lot of spells that aren't attack spells. They're going to be more affected environment and and stuff like that. So I thought it was interesting. I I, I don't know if it's true. It I, was just his idea that he had. I think I think it also had to do with um, the new some of the newer books that have come out have different yes. races and classes and like elemental stuff is like big right now. Right. And I think that has to do with the um, with anime and you know different <laughs> kinds of things that people are into. Obviously. Yeah, I, I'm, I might agree with that, yes. One of the other things that, uh, about spells in particular, yeah. or I'm not sure about spells, but one is that the character creation is just is going to be a little more flexible. What that's, that mean? That's the way they said it. Flexible. As in, which 5th edition is pretty easy to make a character. I was telling Saul when we were talking about this that yeah. I found it, I like the way the 5th edition did it. When you get to each class, it tells you if you want to do if you want to be a a fighter, this is a example. And then you go to your race and you have your racial stuff, right? Right. And you can put them together and create your character pretty easy. Yes. It kind of gives you like a little map how to do it. Right. So more flexibility. I think they were talking about things like classes and stuff you might just everybody might get a proficiency bonus and something else or 
you know how you pick different things for your like your your, background and stuff yeah yeah and traits yeah right right do they have traits in i don't think they have traits in D &D. yeah or they might but i don't know if you pick them we, oh, we just made Pathfinder characters. That's <laughs> yes, why that's Pathfinder so... Pathfinder is, is a lot more. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, Pathfinders are in our mind because my son just started... Our son's just started a first edition Pathfinder game, so... It, uh, it's always a little bit different when you go from one system to a different system. Yes. What's funny, too, is that I actually thought about selling my Pathfinder stuff, I guess. And then you ended up buying more for him. Yeah, well, there was only... I only wanted to buy another the core book because our core book was pretty torn but apart. you bought three books or four books i bought the little ones these little pocket sized ones i thought they were cute of course <laughs> i can't read them because the freaking print is <laughs> sub uh, five point font or something but i thought they're pretty cool so that was one of the things they said was that um character creation would be a little more flexible wow because so, it's pretty flexible as it is now i mean because like you can i mean for me flexibility was the ability to go to point by system instead of rolling your three six side dice and getting stuck with whatever you rolled that was always good and then i love the idea of rolling 4d6 picking the best one best three and then there was the crazy one where you get to roll you basically roll six characters six sets of of the six that was just ridiculous (laughs) so the point by system i thought was neat at uh you start with different amounts of points or there's the array where you just get those numbers and you just put them wherever you want i like either the point by system or where you roll four dice for each stat and then you can you take the best three those are the those are the ones that i've done the most right and and it gives you a pretty reasonable character if you do a point by system I do not understand mini maxers as well as I should because, like, even the new Pathfinder characters that they rolled up, these people have seven and eight in their like charisma and stuff, whatever oh, yeah. their dump stat is. And I'm like, oh, literally, I'm all really because my character is like 10, 11, 12, yeah. 13, 14, 15, right? That kind of thing. And it's yeah. all in the middle. There's nothing too high, nothing too low because I don't want any of those things to be like negatives, right? And Alan goes, oh, I have a negative in this. Uh, a negative. Yeah, they're, they're dumb and stupid. And I'm yeah. like, I'm all, really? Really? They're very unwise and they're very not very smart. And um, and it was weird because like, I think Ian has a seven. In, yes, in, in, in one the, of them. Yeah. I'm all, How can you get a seven? It's a point by system. Aren't you supposed to start with a certain number? I mean, you start with 10. Do you subtract to get to down to the seven? Or? Yes, and you get points back. That's just, see, I wouldn't even think think of that. If, if you start with 10 and that's average, that's where you should stay and go up above higher because you get stuff for your class and your race to add stuff to that's it. That's true. That's how you got, uh, like, you're right. They, I think they made Kathy's character. She has like a, does she have a 20? I don't know. She has a 20 and whatever. I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't. I'm like, 20? How did you get that? And I look at the character. I go, oh, jeez. You did a freaking. Not, and not only that, they, I think Ian has like a 7 and an 8. Well, 7 in. in, in uh, but he's in playing the, it like he's dumb. So that, I mean, yeah. he, that's the way. So so that's okay. And then I mean, Kathy wanted to be really decent looking. I go, oh, it's a, it's a 9. <laughs> it's, it's actually negative. She goes, oh. And she looked across the table at the. The mini maxers that made her character. Yeah. Well, so character creation is a big thing for people, right? You got the people who want to mini max their character so that they can be the best fighter or wizard or whatever. And then you got, then you have people who are going, well, 
I want everything to be equal for people. So <laughs> that kind of thing. So it totally depends on who you're playing with and oh, yeah. what kind of what kind of people how they make their characters, right? Whoever you're learning or well, what kind or of game learning. you want to play. Yeah. Yeah, cuz a lot of times those you know, th- those characters that they made for that Pathfinder game, uh those mini maxers, when if it was a an investigative game, they'd be they'd be they'd be useless. Well, considering the two um gnomes are the are the face people because they have the best uh, intelligence they have a, a and charisma and charisma 12, 12. <laughs> i think she has you right somebody did they, they and I'm all, I'm all, really you got you want the gnomes to be the the people talking first yes well that's not bad yeah since i'm one of them <laughs> and i'm the other okay so sixth edition i think is it'll be a very interesting thing to to see once it's come out, I think a lot of people will. There's one other thing that oh, monsters. Monsters. They were talking about the monster challenge ratings. Oh, yeah. Which is a big deal. <clears throat> yeah. It's a big deal to me because I never know. I The boys try to explain challenge ratings to me like 20 times and I'm like going, okay, I don't understand if the monster, what, what the challenge rating means. Is that just how you give out experience points? Well, it's supposed to gauge. It's supposed to be a gauge of how strong the monster is compared to the party. Which I look at what they're what they do and how much of their damage is, and that's how I gauge it. Right, and it's and I guess I don't. I, I, this guy was describing challenge rating and why it was messed up, and for the life of me, I my eyes were glazed over. My it. eyes were totally glazed. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's just. I guess, and the big biggest complaint is that it was messed up. That the that the the way they calculated this number was just messed up from the beginning because they were using not very good statistics and all this other stuff and i'm like oh care well the thing is is they make these monsters with challenge ratings right they don't take into consideration how many people are in the party and what those people what they can do right so as the gm you have to look at the monster and go well okay i know that my fighters do 95 damage on each hit so either i have to have six of these monsters or pick a bigger monster I really don't know because what happens is when I <clears throat> when I pick an encounter and I and I have a monster if there is one, I use the challenge rating as a guide of how how strong, at least the the people who made the rules think this monster is, and that's helpful for me. I'm like oh, okay, so I know this thing is a challenge rating five supposedly, but my but my my players and their characters are very powerful because one, I've been, I've talked this before is. Monsters have the detriment that I'm running them, right? Yes, they and do. I'm not an expert in every monster that I put in front of the characters. And if they decide to fight, I am not like an expert in Demon 4 type this, whatever. And so I don't know the nuances of this type of creature. I, I can read it. I can you know understand it. But it's a lot different than a player who has built their character and knows the in and outs of that character and knows their weaknesses and their strengths. And so when you're up against four, five, six players who are like that and you're like, oh, I picked this monster last week and I gave it a gloss over and it said it's challenge rating five. My players are challenge, are level four. I think it should be a good you know, monster. And they wept the floor of all. A lot of that has to do because my tactics, because I don't know the monster well enough, is the problem. So what I do is I only use the challenge rating as a ga- gauge and, and not like true to 
you know, this is a challenge rating five. It's it should be good for the monster for the characters level five. Bada be bada boom. It's a it's gonna be a great fight. I know I never think that way. I've never have. Uh, even in Pathfinder, when we were playing Pathfinder, I looked at the challenge rating, and I knew that okay, so this is what they think this challenge rating of this monster is against my players or against people live people life people real people real people you know that challenge rating could be up or down depending on how how good or how unknowledgeable the players are about their own characters and their own strengths so i understand challenge rating i know they want something that's more accurate but for me it's not a big deal and i don't understand the the, the logistics of how they came up with that number i've never really looked into it i think it's hard for people to look at the monster you shouldn't look at the monsters and go oh this is a challenge rating six my characters are uh, level five right now they should be able to handle this when that's probably means that monster is not going to last very long because you know yeah, you got know. five or six characters and especially if they're fighters so as a gm you learn these things right that this is not this monster right but like every once in a while like solid He's done things like he picked harpies once to be chasing us when we were playing Pathfinder. Okay. And he's in the middle of the in the middle of the battle, he goes, This harpy does the harpy thing where they make the eh. Oh yeah, the noise. And then he goes then he I see him, he's reading oh, how much damage does that do? And then he goes he got this look on his face like he wasn't expecting it and then all of a sudden it did like half damage or something because we would all died. It was like 94 hit points or something that it. Oh, yeah. It, well, I don't think it was a heart. It was a banshee. Oh, okay. That's banshee. Okay. Sometimes your GM picks monsters because they sound cool. Yeah. And doesn't exactly. realize exactly what they do. And then in the middle of the battle, they make a, oh, uh, this is wrong. I shouldn't have picked this. It's just such a. <laughs> yeah. Such a high. A high. I, did, I, I was. You know, sometimes I, I'm not very good at uh, concealing my my own shock, and uh, and it's always been a problem for me. So obviously, I I had just glanced at that monster. I go, wow, this is cool. I'm gonna put it right here. And it was only an encounter that yeah. they were gonna bypass. I was thinking, or they. It could've... was only outside at night. We weren't chasing it or yeah, anything. No. We were just running away. And you just, it, you just yeah. encountered it. Yeah. yeah. It was, I was shocked at the amount of damage the Banshee did, and I'm like, wow, that, that would kill everybody. <laughs> so I decided not to have it do so much damage. I think I have to damage. Yeah. Which The sad part is that you guys noticed that I was totally like shocked, and I'm like, oh. But I yeah, don't know if everybody noticed it, but I did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah some people may not have noticed. So I think it's interesting that you're talking about the challenge rating, because like I said, I, I never really thought about it much. Uh, I think some people really like me if they really like playing by the rules and they don't have a lot of experience as a new GM or even an old GM like me. Like I, I, how long have I been GMing and I got that Banshee wrong. So a challenge rating does help new people and even old players like me, GMs like me that, that want to look at something and go, Oh, okay. So this is the level of the monster sort of, and it's too high level for my characters to, right. to actually defeat. Now it doesn't mean you can't put them there and can't use them. But unless you've trained your your uh, your players to look at an idea, a monster and say, well, maybe this thing is too tough and run away. Uh, unfortunately, I've made my players too dependent on the idea that they can defeat anything I put in front of them. And for the most part, they do. But sometimes they get in over their heads and they don't. They don't back off. They don't back off. Well, because. So they slowly learn to do that, though. Yeah. They come across dragons and stuff and they're like. Yeah, oh, yeah, dragons hide, people hide. <laughs> and other monsters too. So yes. they they want to deal with. 
But I think uh, sixth edition is going to be a welcome. I I believe it's just going to be like a five point five or you know uh, what is it a, a new uh, not a completely new edition but like an update to five fifth edition. A cl- uh, one of the people that I read said it's going to be a clarification That's of some too. of the rules that people may not agree with or understand. Yeah. A clarification to what the classes and stuff like that can do. That, yeah. I, that, and I, I'm pretty sure that's what it's going to be. And update uh, as far as, and they're already mo- they've already moved in that direction, like moving away from uh, armor class, moving away from races, races being uh, certain, evil yeah. or certain. And then, and then they're saying, well, what's going to happen is if you're a different race of, of a, a player character, that you're going to get a plus one or minus, whatever it is, plus two or minus two to a, a stat or whatever. And which, is, which is basically what you get now, right? Is it, I don't know. I haven't really made too many 5th edition characters. I mainly ran games. Uh, I don't think, have I played with 5th edition? Yes. Have I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I didn't make a character from scratch. I mean, I kind of did. But I think they were 10th levels when I joined the game. So. Yeah. So I, I look forward to it, but what's even more important is that 5th edition is not dead. I mean, they're going to be pumping out books for 5th edition. Uh, like I said, they're on schedule to make between, in the next two years, put out, they've already put out one early this year. I and, think they put out two this year. Right, and there's two, and then I think they have another at least two coming. Yeah. So, and then 2023 is going to probably mimic that, if not more. So you got between eight and ten books coming out before Sixth edition even is published in 2024, so there's plenty of stuff to buy for fifth edition. I think uh, what's is, is going to be interesting is what setting they're going to try to attach or maybe want to attach to sixth edition because you know you always want that's that's another one is I think is it will make the game a lot different is if they come up with a cool setting. Well, before before sixth edition comes out, that guy one of the people that we were listening to said that they're going to have two older settings, settings and, and at least one new setting coming out this year. So Yeah, I wasn't sure if I agreed with what he said, but... That's uh, what he said. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not, but... You know. A lot of people were looking at, what is it, Dark Sun is one setting. Dragonlance is another. But I think they're going to wait for Dragonlance because they just settled that deal with the authors, uh, the suit, and uh, they're going to put out a set of three books, novels, that seems like a good fit for 6th edition, even though I've never read any of the novels and I've never played in Dragonlance campaign. A lot of people like it. I'm looking like something really different. I don't know. Dark Sun is pretty weird. It's kind of like a post-apocalyptic uh, D&D setting. Uh, that's p- pretty weird, I guess. But I would like to see something vastly different, like, you know, totally new. Kind of like what Eberron did in for 3rd edition. We'll see. I don't know if that's the way Wizards of the Coast is going to go, though, because if all these people are, if 65% of the people are new to this, right. they might not want to go with something completely different. <laughs> totally weird. <laughs> Spelljammer. Whereas all the, all the older gamers are going, yes, come out with something new. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's it. Uh, there's going to, you know, I would just stay appraised of what's going on with Physics Edition and see if there's any survey because they, they said a lot of the rule changes are going to be based on surveys. So if any kind of survey comes across your table, your digital oh, uh, tablet, fill it out. Speaking of digital, oh. supposedly they're supposed to have something digital for 6th edition. 
Well, they bought, uh, did they buy D&D I Beyond? have no idea. You said oh, that, but I don't know. I thought they were already part of it. I think they're definitely going to get really into digital because Watsi has been very protective about their intellectual property. And you literally cannot buy a PDF of their books right. legally. Right. So I think they might be willing to do that now and change their idea. But I don't know. I, I don't know if they'll just make PDFs. Or it'll be like a subscription type service like D&D Beyond. So there you go. There you go. This is Game of Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.